Long ago, a powerful evil ruled the known universe. His power was unmatched, and his lust for death and destruction was insatiable. One day, thanks to the power of light, he was defeated and locked away on a faraway planet where no one would ever find him. That planet was Earth, and his tomb ends up in the backyard of obnoxious little girl Mimi, who accidentally unearths him along with the gem that controls him. Now Mimi has her very own monster, and she has named him Psycho Gorman. Get ready for a tale bathed in the blood of a million dead memories. I'm Connor Zagari. Josh Allred. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the 146th episode of the Filmgasm podcast. Coming up on 150 real soon. Uh, I'm joined today by Josh Allred, who has chosen another Shutter exclusive to dive into today, specifically Psycho Gorman, which was released earlier this year. Uh, usually, I would have covered this film on our companion show, The Sneak Preview, but the site I use to build the new release schedule doesn't cover Shutter films, so most of the time I don't hear about them until long after they've come out. But that's why we got this show, to talk about the genre films that slipped through the cracks. So Josh, what was it about Psycho Gorman that made you bring it to the show? Uh, first of all, it's just the title. <laughs> I, I'm a sucker. I, you know, grown up with the video store and walking around just looking at the covers of movies. This would have been one had I seen it on VHS. I would have picked it up immediately and told my mom, like, I have to see this. So it was just a title that hooked me. Um, digging in a little bit deeper, finding out who the writer director was and other things he had done previous to this only made me want to watch it that much more. Um, the writer director is a guy named Steven Kostansky and, um, people may not be as familiar with him, but real diehard, uh, genre people will be familiar with, uh, titles like father's day uh, Manborg, uh, also The Void more recently, as well as uh, the Leprechaun reboot. He directed that as well. Um, I mean, say what you want about it, but you know, he he has fun with the movies that he makes, and he does all that he can with the background that he has to ensure that everything goes on screen. And this is definitely the case with what we get in Psycho Gorman. Oh, definitely. I mean, this is, I, I think the special effects are just the right amount of corny. I mean, I saw a lot of, in my research and re reading reviews, I saw a lot of comparisons to the Power Rangers, which made sense. Yeah, there is a very much, this is like a grown up Power Rangers movie. Well, when I first watched it, uh, I've got a group chat with, a bunch of friends uh, from back in my hometown and none of them had seen it. I was the first one and I was like, you guys, this is the Power Rangers movie we never got. <laughs> and all of them are like, no shit. I'm watching it tonight. I'm like, yeah, fucking do it. Um, and it's just rubber monsters, copious amounts of blood and violence. And oh, by the way, the biggest tyrant in the entire movie is an eight-year-old girl. Like that is, that is like such a little formula. Like if, if you think about it and just say it out loud, somebody would be like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard for a movie. 
guess what? This is a great fucking movie. Yeah, it works. I mean, it really, it wouldn't work if she wasn't completely balls to the wall, obnoxious, stubborn, and kind of insane. Like, you can't have, you know, you need a kid who's as evil and weirdly sadistic as Psycho Gorman for this thing to even happen. I love that even at times he's like, Jesus. Like, you could just, like, looking at the girl like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, has, he has no way to counter what she does like there there are a couple of times where he's just like reduced to being kind of like comic relief to her um when like that one part where they're walking through the the woods and she's like standing there flapping her lips and then she's got the gem just holding out and psycho gorman's like and she's like hey and he's like so close you know like just little moments like that like completely turn this movie on its head and that was something i noted uh, in my review, which I heard uh, the guys from the last podcast, uh, Ben and Henry, they actually interviewed Stephen Costanzi because Henry had been raving about Psycho Gorman for the longest time. And he was just like, man, we got to get that guy on the show. We got to get that guy on the show. I want to ask him so many questions. And that was one of the things that Costanzi mentioned is that he constantly wanted to keep changing the direction the movie was going in to keep the audience off their toes and it works every time like right even right at the beginning in the opening sequence you got you know this straight up to me reminded me of uh the 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 opening crawl at the beginning of the monster squad you know we were talking about dracula and all that stuff and then at the end they go they blew it like that just like i got that feeling right then and there and when when a movie can make a reference to something else that you experienced in your childhood they don't do it in a hammy way they don't go like hey see i used to watch monster squad too like they, he did it in such a way that it was just it just pulled it right out of my heart and i was like oh oh this is so cool and f- from that moment i was already hooked e- even after the title i was like all right i'm in and then you've got mimi and luke going at it in this epic backyard crazy ball brawl and there's metal playing there's slow motion diving and then the camera pulls back and it's literally just the sound of them grunting and yelling at each other and you're just like oh shit they're they're like building this all up in their head to how epic everything is and you're you're you already know from that moment that this movie is is going to be in complete control of everything you're experiencing but you're going to have a good fucking time. Absolutely. And I know I can always count on you to bring stuff to the show that I have never in a million years even fucking heard of. <laughs> so I love that films like this I get to enjoy now because I, I tell you, without your input, I, I doubt I ever would have even stumbled upon this. So thank you. This was great. Hey, man, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> oh, so as, as uh, Josh said, Psycho Gorman was written and directed by Stephen Kostansky, whose previous directing credits include The Void, Father's Day, and Manborg. Oh, maybe the, the greatest movie trailer I've ever seen in my life. It was uh, when I went to Bremerton to visit Caleb, we marathoned the Hatchet movies. And uh, before one of those movies is, you know, trailers, and Manborg was one of the trailers. And I was, I was reviewing the previous one, and I just, like, in the corner of my eye saw... Manborg and I stopped writing was like what the fuck is that and just <laughs> watched this trailer 
And I was like, is, that's either the greatest movie ever or the worst movie ever, and there is no in-between. So one of these days we're going to do Man Borg because I need to know. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm like part of part of one of the things I really love about um, indie movies and people that are really just very passionate about making anything is that they find a way to mash genres that you would never think in a million years would work. But when they when they get slapped together, that's that's part of the reason why I love trauma movies so much. Like they just they 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 take the risk of putting two movies together and letting them just explode all over the place. And what you get is pure fun. You can't take it serious. You just got to go with it. And I would even argue that these kinds of movies take and. I might sound snobbish coming off this way, but they might, they take a little bit more of like a seasoned viewer, like somebody who understands the tropes and even the, uh, the, the drawbacks of certain genres, you know, like if you watch a straight up Western movie, like you, you know what it's going to be about, but if you throw in something else in it, that kind of rivals or counteracts what those tropes are, you get something different and something fun. And, um, I mean, plus you got a movie with the title like Manborg. Like, why would you not want to check it out? Even even if you only last ten minutes, you're like, well, I I watched that. Yeah, you're you're right. I think that um, I don't think it's too snobbish. I think there are a lot of films out there that do require some homework to fully appreciate. Uh, and I try to, you know, when I know I have one of those on the line, I try to do as much homework as I can, so I do get you know the best reaction I, on oscar sunday that happens a lot uh but yeah uh manborg definitely one that in fact listeners look up the trailer right now we'll wait we'll listen like watch the trailer come back and then you'll know what the fuck we're talking about because it is something <laughs> um Kostansky's also an accomplished makeup artist. Uh, he's worked in the makeup department on such shows as Hannibal and Star Trek Discovery, as well as films such as It, Suicide Squad, Clown, and Crimson Peak, among others. Weirdly, films with clowns he tends to, to be a part of. That's cool. Yeah, I think he mentioned in that interview that Killer Clowns was probably one of his favorite movies too, um, which I'm not surprised. Uh, given his background and the fact that he did a lot of stop motion animation uh, when he was, you know, just learning how to do effects and making movies and stuff like that, which is something that the Kyoto brothers were also very big on. And I think that kind of thing, and he uses a lot of those tricks. Like, I think that, I think if, if you could get, any one of the Kyoto brothers to talk about this movie, I, I guarantee you they would love every second of it because there's so many little tricks that, you know, like if, if you're not really paying attention, you won't notice that like, Oh, Hey, that was stop motion. Oh shit. Okay. You know? And the fact that um, he did a lot of the, a lot of the work to create the suits and create the monsters. And it's, 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 it's really it really speaks to his talents as an, an effects artist, but also the fact that he, he knows practically how to get the best 
out of it, how to shoot these kinds of things to get maximum effect out of them. And I think if he was just a director who had never had experience with that kind of thing, I don't think this movie would have worked as well as it does. Yeah, I but, agree. But if you've seen The Void, you also know that he's very good at playing something pretty serious. And that is another thing that works so well with this is that Psycho Goreman is very serious about what he wants to do. But Mimi is also very serious about like, I don't give a fuck what you want to do. You're going to do what I say because I have this gem that controls you. So shut up and play <laughs> some fucking crazy ball. Like, and, and those things just button up against each other. Like you wouldn't think it would work. It does. My favorite thing about this movie is that literally nobody takes it, takes PG seriously. Like he is constantly saying like, I'm going to kill everything on this planet. Everyone's just like, yeah, okay. Have fun, Mimi. Like nobody seems to care that this intergalactic tyrant with the power to conquer the universe is just wandering around. <laughs> I love that. Nobody cares. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Um, Nita Josie Hanna plays Mimi who is arguably the most obnoxious little girl in movie history. She had an uncredited role on Hulu's Books of Blood, and then this. Uh, pretty good start. I think she's a good actress. I think the character is infuriating, but for, in a good way. Uh, and uh, a good counterpoint to, to PG. It works. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, she's... She's very charismatic, like, and, and she's one of these people that, like, you want to just, like, pick her up and shake her and tell her to shut up and just stop being such an asshole. But you're also you're also afraid that she might actually, like, burn your house down when you're not looking. Like, she would really <laughs> – like, even the way she talks to her parents, like, like I, I think when they were putting him to bed or something and mom was, like – just didn't remember how to kind of say the name of the game they're playing. And she's like, oh, crazy ball. Yeah. And we're just like, Oh fuck. I kept thinking, I hope my daughter doesn't turn out like this. I'm going to be screwed. <laughs> yeah. This is like, I don't know what it is. Like maybe she's just responding to her, like admittedly pretty shitty parents. I was like dad, especially who's just like, go get him with everything. I, be a parent for fuck's sake, but uh, yeah. Oh it's... man, that <laughs> that fucking dad. So I'm sure you haven't seen Father's Day yet. No, I have not. And I will. I will tell you that it is probably unlike anything you will ever see. It is. Uh, it was an Astron Six movie. Astron Six was a collective of artists and filmmakers. Um, and actors who would just go in like that's where Manborg came from that's where father's day came from uh trauma ended up picking up father's day and releasing it <laughs> this is a movie that i got a lot of dirty looks at when i showed it on a deployment and it just because it just it starts out really fucking gross and obscene and then it it just doesn't let up like by the end of it, you're just totally in this um, in this weird place where, you know, it's all like green screen effects and they're, you know, but they're using, again, every trick in the book to build a world that you never would have been able to build 
you know, practically unless you had a shitload of money. But they fucking made this movie and it's it's something else. Like, I can't even try to describe it because to try and describe it would do it a disservice. You just got to go in there. Just go in there and just hold on for dear fucking life because it's going to fucking challenge you. I promise you. Um, but that's where, but that's what, like, you watch that movie and then you see this and you're like, oh, shit, okay. I know exactly where this guy came from. Um, one of the other tricks that um, Kostansky uses is miniatures. So there's a lot of miniature use in this that if you're not really paying attention, it's just how damn good he is. It's all in there. Anything he can do to build a world and keep control of it and, you know, not spend a shitload of money on it. He's pulling every trick out of the hat. I am very intrigued about Father's Day now. I, I think that probably before the year is out, that'll end up on this show. I have a feeling. If if you don't pick it, I might. Okay. Challenge challenge accepted. I actually want you to pick it and I want and I want you to just keep your mind open when you watch that thing. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, I will. Oh my god. Um Owen Meyer plays Mimi's older brother Luke. This is his first film role after appearing in a number of shorts and one episode of Nosferatu. Uh, yeah, pretty much every, you know, beaten down sibling ever is inside Luke. Just this broken shell of a boy who has a psycho sister he cannot even begin to try to control. Oh, yeah, no, he's totally defenseless. <laughs> I love even PG's like, why are you putting up with this? Like, you can help both of us. And he's like, no, like, he's more f- scared of his sister than he is of the evil intergalactic overlord. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he knows. He knows. He lives with her. He knows what she's capable of. PG has no idea what's going on. He's like, bro, you don't know how fucked we all are. Like, not one bit. So, okay, so I, I, totally, I totally forgot about this. So the guy that plays the dad is named Adam Brooks. And he was the lead in Father's Day. Okay. So he plays a character named Ahab in Father's Day. And they're like complete opposites on, on that. And that was, okay. So, so this, is how, this is how great the relationship between Kostansky and Adam Brooks is. He wrote the character of Greg for Adam Brooks because he knew that what he could get out of him. And he wouldn't, he even said it. He was like, I wouldn't have done this movie if Adam Brooks wouldn't have agreed to play the part. So that says something. And the fact that he plays the part that he does in that time, like some of my favorite bits in the movie that I still laugh at, I like rewatching this, is him. Like when he's, when he fucking made dinner for everybody and his wife's dinner, she's like, You blew up my microwave. You're welcome. What did you do to my microwave? Cooked a lovely meal for my family. That's what I did. <laughs> it's great. Like, get the like, get the fuck out of here. Like that is the picture of total oblivious fucking stupidity. This guy has no no ideas. Well, at least she ate all her broccoli. Uh, no, she didn't. Oh my god! I. 
my favorite bit with with Adam Brooks is uh, the end when he's trying to give Mimi some grandiose advice and talks about the creepy weirdo who showed him the baseball cards. Like this is some <laughs> wonderful story, giving her the worst possible advice for life. <laughs> my God, this guy's oblivious on every level. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> oh. Um, Matthew Nenaber plays the body of Psycho Gorman, or PG for short. He's also appeared in the films Transference and Death on Scenic Drive. And he's, you know, big, imposing gentleman. Good co- uh, makeup. Des- the makeup and costume design is absolutely insane in this movie. Uh, props, big time. <clears throat> um, Steven Vlaus plays the voice of PG. Uh, he's also appeared in the films Two Deaths of Henry Baker, The Apprentice, and episodes of shows such as Wayne, Fear Thy Neighbor, Blood Runs Cold, and Alien House. And I have no idea what any of that is, but I fucking love this guy as PG. He plays, like, you know, equal parts Galactus, equal parts, like, Joker almost. Like, there's this... He, he has... He, he straddles the line so well, and I believe all sides of this guy... You know, he could rule the universe and also take orders from an eight-year-old. Oh yeah, 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 and and you totally believe that he's questioning his own his own uh, his own desires. Yeah, and that like that in and of itself became like such a such a huge thing for that movie that, that like you know um, people were latching onto it, and I just thought it was just the most ridiculous thing I could ever see. It's like it's like you don't really know. Cause, cause I, and I even think I, I, I put this in parentheses while I was, when I was writing my reviews, like he, and then I was like, it, like, you don't really know what his gender is. He even has a gender or a sex or whatever. So it's just, it's just great that she's like throwing this magazine at him. And you're just like, but look at all the hunky boys. I do not care for hunky boys. Or do I? <laughs> I love that that comes full circle at the end when Pandora fucks up the magazine and he just says, not my hunky oh, yeah. boys and goes, oh, yeah. Oh shit. man, that was it. That was it. That was a wrap. <laughs> Time to make a sword out of your spinal cord and fuck you up. Jesus Christ. The, I love the character development though. Like it, you believe it that he, you know, his time on earth shows him compassion and love and something beyond just death and destruction. Like I love when he takes out Pandora and he says like you know she calls him the nameless one and he's like my name is Psycho Gorman like he's he's become who Mimi has made him <laughs> like even without the gem I feel like he's still gonna be like doing this for her almost. <laughs> uh, I mean I mean it it goes right right into the end and it's it's almost like he outwardly projects you know like reluctance to not kill them when she sets them free but you but you kind of feel like you like them you like them you're gonna go and eviscerate a bunch of other towns on this planet but you like us a little kiss that he catches and then blows back like come on this he's a big softy now (laughs) well he 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 was on his own discovery journey he only thought he had one purpose in his whole existence which was just to destroy everything but he actually found out that he had the capacity to care 
about a creature who is just as ruthless as him. <laughs> this movie, Jesus Christ. Uh, Adam Brooks, Greg, the kid's lazy-ass dad who really resents being called lazy despite being incredibly lazy. Uh, he appeared in Manborg and Father's Day. He's also appeared in the films The Editor, When Blackbirds Fly, Lovesick, The Grudge remake from 2020, and Another Wolf Cop. So he's he's been around the block. And yeah, he is arguably the funniest part of this movie. Uh, maybe, you know, at he and PG are kind of on even ground with me, but there's like a few scenes that just had me rolling with this guy. Just went to the point that he doesn't give a fuck about anything because he doesn't like that his wife called him lazy. Like he, all this shit's happening around him and he's just like, well, I guess I won't handle that because I'm too lazy, am I right? Like just <laughs> fucking aliens in his house. And he's like, not my problem, too lazy to care. That's right. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so perfect because again, it like, it takes you out of the movie for a second because you're just like, how does this fucking guy exist in this world? Like, how is he even a parent? Like, that that one moment where he fucking throws the shovel in the ground and he's like, oh, oh, my hand, oh, you know? And then, like, he actually gets hurt at the end and you're just like, what the fuck, man? Like, you, you really tried to be a hero and look what happened to you. I love that both parents know all the rules to Crazy Ball. Like, I love that. That right there shows that on some level they do care. Or they were forced to care. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Remember who their daughter is. That's a good point. Fuck. They're hostages. This is like Twilight oh, yeah, Zone. Totally. The, the kid who can project, like, who can do whatever he wants with psychically. That's what this is, just on a much more personal level. <laughs> like, instead oh, yeah, of totally. psychic projections, it's a fucking like, tire iron to the kneecap. Jesus. Uh, Alexis Kara Hansi plays Susan, their mom, and this is her first film after appearing in four short films. And I love that she becomes a Templar and then Pandora takes it away and for some reason she's all wet and then just kind of just goes with it. I like, mean, why not? <laughs> and even she, like, you'd think that mom would be responsible, but like they try to take one swing at PG with the bat, it breaks. Dad is like, she hit the, she tried to hit you, not me. Like, remember that. And then just goes with it. Like, it's amazing that they just go with it. They really are terrified of their daughter. I mean, wouldn't you be? I, yeah, but I'd also be like, I don't want to live like this. I got to do something. I don't know. I would steal the gem and just have, I'd, I'd take the, I'd take PG, make him do some shit. I'd not kill her, but like, maybe turn her into a basketball and just like play one-on-one -on -one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but then you also have to look, you, then you're going to have to look behind your shoulder every day for the rest of your life. Cause she's going to be coming for you. Fuck. Point. Speaking of, they never, they never saved that Alistair kid. He's still a giant brain squid. And he kind of. Mom sounded, and dad are cool with it. Mom and dad are cool with it. They didn't say shit. They're just like, I guess this is us now. <laughs> like, no, they're not even looking at him. <laughs> and I like, and I like that Mimi likes him more like that than before. Because before she was just like, shut up, Alistair. <laughs> and now she's like, she bent over and gave him a little kiss on the fucking basketball court and shit. I love that 
walking through town, nobody cared. Like there's just a brain squid following these kids and their giant purple alien monster. And most people just kind of don't care except for those two cops. And we saw how that turned out. <laughs> so that was, that was a little, uh, that was a little of a shared universe moment. So um, I picked this up from the interview as well with uh, Stephen Costanzi and uh, the, uh, the last podcast guys, he talked about uh, Biocop and uh, Henry brought it up. He's like, you had Biocop in Psycho Corman. He's like, yeah, like, isn't that great? Like, I kind of, I kind of thought it'd be pretty cool to use this as kind of like his origin story for like how he became, how he became. <laughs> That's really but then, cool. Did you, did you watch, did you watch that trailer? I forgot. Okay. So really, really you, 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 you don't get to really like get too much like other than, you know, this, this is what he is. You know, he's just this fucking hideous creature that's constantly melting and all he wants to do is die, but he fucking can't. And that plays out exactly like it does in the movie. I mean, like one of one of my other favorite Mimi moments is when they're walking through the woods and he hands her that note and she's like, oh, isn't this nice? And she says, please kill me in blood. And he's like, oh, oh, dude. oh that's so gross. Why would you do that? Oh, one of my favorite throwaway lines is dad at the beginning, at the end, who's just like, well, this TV won't stop bleeding. Just <laughs> casually. <laughs> my life makes no sense anymore. The TV might as well be bleeding. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, finally, Anna Tierney is the voice of Pandora, the alien warrior who is hunting PG. She voiced a character in 2020's Cold Blow Lane and has appeared in nine episodes of the series Summer Lane Drive, which looked like some, some sort of film noir series made entirely with Barbies. So that looked intriguing. Um, Pandora is a very interesting character. I love that the light characters are just as sadistic and evil as the dark characters. It truly is balance in the universe. It's all about who is going to take the bigger shit on the on the people. It's really all it is. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think it. I think it definitely has its um, has its own things to say by the fact that he's calling them Templars and that they're you know these Crusader types who really rule with an iron fist. They're not really there to mince words about you know their purpose they're serving you know they're serving a god somewhere and their way is the only way and psycho Gorman is a threat to all of it and everybody fears him except for her she thinks that she can take him down and i really i really liked the arrogance in her for that and at first when i first saw this i was like you look like a fucking idiot you know with all like this hyper like angelic fucking features but right away, when she brings uh, she brings that 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 human uh, woman into their boardroom or whatever, and she turns her into a fucking blood cube and just smears her shit all over. I was like, oh fuck! I was not expecting that, and I was like, all right, well, you really just kept fucking ramping this up because you just put these two on a collision course, and there's no way that anybody's walking walking away unscathed 
Well, I love that it becomes a lesser than two evils kind of devil, you know, situation. And even in Psycho Gorman's like backstory, when he's telling his story, he's like a space Spartacus almost. And I was wait, I was hoping that was going to be like, his, oh, he's actually a good guy who got imprisoned by the bad guys. But no, he's like, I'm still an evil guy. They're just worse. <laughs> debatable, like debatable really depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> but yeah, well, if I'm picking sides, I'm definitely going to be on PG side. Just saying. Mostly because I can't, you you can't trust those those other ones. You know what you're getting with Psycho Corman. You know that he's just out to destroy everything. The other ones want to control everything and will destroy you if you get in their way. Psycho Corman's just a lot more simple. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. <laughs> uh, Psycho Gorman has an IMDb score of 6.3, Rotten Tomato score of 91%, which was like, what? Good for them. It was supposed to premiere at 2020's South by Southwest Film Festival, but when the festival was canceled, it later appeared at Beyond Fest, Monster Fest, and the Sitges Film Festival in the coastal town of Sitges, Spain. It was later snatched up by Shudder, where it was released in May of this year. So, good for Shudder. We have not done a lot of Shudder films on this podcast. I think just this and a host might be it for exclusives. Uh, we should reach into that well more. Yeah, I was actually, so I actually kind of had an idea of sorts, like maybe like um, to kind of talk a little bit more, even if it's just to like give like, you know, a, a minute or two to whatever, you know, is new out there. Like if, if ever I'm on or if Caleb's watching something, just, just to kind of push out their stuff a lot more because they, they pick up a lot of really, really interesting and really kind of fun movies and i'm i'm all about it like i was totally not prepared to enjoy anything for jackson that movie really twisted me up yeah in in a good way like it really like sucked me in and i again that was another movie that kind of like kept playing with the audience and kind of turning the movie every so often just to keep you on your toes and I really and I really appreciated that. I watched another one uh, that was called Vicious Fun, and it is it's about this dude who's a uh, a horror critic, and he is like got the hots for his roommate, and he finds she he finds out that she's like just banging this douchebag, and he follows him to a bar, thinks that you know he's trying to catch him that he's a married man and all this shit ends up wandering into a fucking support group for fucking serial killers and hilarity ensues. Um, Jesus. It's, it's, it's David Keckner's in it. Um, the, uh, I can't remember the actor's name right off the top of my head, but um, he's a, he's a really big uh, Latino dude, like mammoth Latino dude. He was in Dexter um, in one of those episodes. If you know what I'm talking about, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. He's in it. Um, I think there's one or two other familiar faces, uh, but it was, it's a lot of fun. Um, and it just, it, it was something I had never thought about, you know, like, like listening to these guys, like talk about their problems and, and, and uh, it, it, it was a funny concept. And, you know, this guy is clearly weighing over his head and it's just like, how the hell is he going to get out alive? Um, and it's, a lot more enjoyable than I, I thought it was going to be and it really kind of 
like um, trademarks of like a lot of movies that have been made recently, like w with like relying a lot on neon and, and all that stuff. Like it's, it's very stylized in that way, but it's playful and it's not like distracting too much. Right on. That sounds crazy. I definitely want to check that out. Uh, I, I loved anything for Jackson. That movie freaked me out so hard. It was one, I had one of those scare moments where I was like turning on the lights. because I felt my heart beating like, fuck that freaked me out. It was the, uh, the like eight foot tall trick or treat ghost. <laughs> I was not prepared for that. <laughs> Boy. Um, Oh, for those of you who don't have Shudder and would still like to watch these movies, uh, you can buy the Shudder original films on DVD at Walmart. They have a deal uh, for some reason. But, yeah, all the Shudder exclusive films are released on physical media at Walmart. So pretty cool there. I will also take this time to plug Diabolic DVD. Uh, they're one of my favorite uh, online sources. They're really good about getting your stuff to you promptly. Uh, the guy that runs it, he's very communicative as far as like, you know, any issues that you could encounter. Um, they, he gets a lot of uh, the Shutter exclusives as well. Um, so, you know, if you're more into uh, supporting smaller indie businesses, definitely check out Diabolic DVD for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Psycho Gorman, though, it, you know, it's a Shutter exclusive. It's not like it's ever going to leave, but I might want to own this one. This, this feels like one I'd want in my collection. Yeah, I actually uh, bought their Hunky Boys edition from the production company uh, Raven Banner. And <laughs> it, um, it got delayed at one point because there was a shortage um, for the plastic they were making the cases out of. Huh. And so I got it for, it was like 40 bucks. I got a Blu-ray, a DVD, and a soundtrack. Ah, cool. So, yeah, and I got a couple of, like, little trading cards and stuff. It's got an alternate cover. I, I can't, I'm trying to think of the movie that they were ripping on. I think it was the um, the house guest uh, with that Sinbad movie, I think, um, where, like, PG's coming out of the mailbox and shit. It's, fu it's fucking great. Um, awesome. Speaking of Shudder coming out with awesome shit, um, I think they still have it, and I don't know how long it's going to be on there, but they have Near Dark on there. Oh, nice. Very nice. So that's a, that's a there's rough always There's always a good time to watch that. Um, and it's actually getting a brand new physical release um, at some point as well. Great. That movie's a bitch to get a hold of. Near Dark is, is really hard to find. That is, man, that's on my radar, and I am so fucking picking that shit up. That's That's got to be one of my, like, top five, maybe top three vampire movies of all time. We were only able to do it on the show uh, last year because my uncle had a cheap blockbuster copy he had gotten in Austin a long time ago. It's the only copy I've ever seen of that movie in person. So thanks to that, we were able to do it on the show early. But uh, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm glad it's getting a new release. I'm definitely going to have to pick that up. Yeah, if you really want to vomit in your mouth, um, look up uh, the Near Dark Blu-ray they put out. Of, I don't know, it was a few years ago where they essentially ripped off twilight it's like a twilight and near dark butt baby of a cover and it is the most gag inducing thing i've ever seen it's fucking terrible oh my god all right i'm looking that up right now i warned uh -huh. you man <laughs> why 
Why would they pick that cover? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do they not realize their audience? Oh my God. Oh, I hope some Twihards bought that and watched it and were like, oh my God. <laughs> this movie's mean. <laughs> that is infuriating. Jesus Christ. I, mm, I, can, I, I love scary vampires. I hate sexy vampires. So, well, I think if they're sexy and scary, that's you know where it, like you're 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 turned on, but it's like you know that if you get in there, it's like sticking your dick in a bear trap. You're gonna get fucked up, but you just can't help but just get right in there. Just gotta keep getting in there, get closer. Yeah, that's called fright night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gary Dandridge is a handsome motherfucker, but also he could rip your throat out in a second, and he fucking will. Uh, near dark, same way. I, yeah, I just, I like, I respect vampire films that actually go for it, that make their vampires legitimately terrifying. And I'm not talking just like force of nature, vicious monsters. Like, I mean, like a fully realized sadistic character with layers. And that doesn't happen a lot, surprisingly. Yeah, it's rather unfortunate. Yeah, I feel the same thing with werewolf movies. There's so few good werewolf movies out there. Maybe I'm just not yeah, looking and hard enough. It's just, it's just one of those... It's one of those where it's really hard to play it serious, but also, I guess, have it be convincing. I don't know. Like some of my, some of my, some of the best ones have a really interesting angle for how they approach it. You know, like American Werewolf in London, it was, it, it, it had a, a layer of humor and humanity that really like played well off of each other. Because you're so, you're so attached to, you know, the story of David and Jack and like what's going on with them that, when the bad shit happens, you're just like, so, so hurt. But then the humor comes in when you realize, oh shit, Jack really isn't gone, and he's going to decay and decay and make fucking jokes at his best <laughs> friend's expense, and that like, it balances it out in a way. It it it, it never strays on one extreme or the other the howling was really cool because that was you know really playing up on the trope of you know like the 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 conflict of the beast within you and and how some people are terrified of it um like the like the old man werewolf and then others are you know extremely happy to embrace that like good old eddie was and those those really and like dog soldiers was awesome i don't know if you've ever seen that god man i fucking love that movie man the movie is so good because that's equal parts predator and fucking assault on precinct 13 where you know it just it it, they they hit each other in just the right spot yeah dog soldiers kicked ass i got to watch that uh a few weeks ago so so badass um speaking of american werewolf i had a Really cool, fortuitous find at uh, my local Half Price Books a while back. I found David Naughton's disco album on vinyl, making it. <laughs> That's fucking sweet. It's two bucks. I'm like, yeah, of course. I It's terrible, but it's a piece of geek culture. I'm taking that home. Hey, man, you never know. That might be one day. <laughs> Maybe. It's such a bad song, but I don't care. Yeah, but 
she could be like, if you, if you would just turn this off, I'll make it worth your while. It is, it has served its purpose. Just saying. Jesus Christ. If, if somehow that ends up, that turn of events ends up happening, I, I will give the full story on this show. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh boy. So let's talk some highlights from Psycho Gorman. Uh, there's a lot of them. <laughs> this, this movie never really stops. Uh, first thing that had me rolling was when Mimi asks dad if there's any if uh, monsters are real and he gives his whole well you know people are the real monsters speech and mom's looking at him like the fuck is wrong with you just say no (laughs) and Mimi's like yeah good point dad (laughs) just goes to bed and then they try it again with Luke and they're like yeah no they're not real Clearly, clearly they know how to handle their children, at least in the sense of, well, we can indulge this one and be real with her. The other one, yeah, we fucking scared him. He'd probably shit his pants right now. So let's just not do that. I I would love to see what led to Mimi just blurting out that she doesn't trust cops. <laughs> I would love to know how that happened. <laughs> Who knows? Yep. There's definitely a story there. Somebody called the cops and yeah, I just, oh my God. Um, so when we meet PG and he fucks up those tweakers, uh, I love when he just, he, he freezes that guy in like perpetual like death or like perpetual pain and he fucking knocks him over and he's like, no, I worked so hard on that. Like it was a fucking, you know, volcano in science class. Like, man, I worked so hard on that. That was my masterpiece. You didn't even care. You didn't even care. You broke it. I love the dude's mouth is flopping. He's like, thank you. Oh, my God. That was nuts. There were moments in this film where I was just like, the fuck am I watching? Beautiful. I love when they're naming him and he's in the background just jogging in place. Like she's making him fucking just jog. <laughs> He's just like, do not name me that. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> Ridiculous. I like I like when I like when she asked him, like, so what do they call you? He's like, I've been called the Archduke of Nightmares. And I'm just like, that is the lamest shit I've ever heard. Like, who the fuck says that? She's <laughs> like, nah. I love when they go home and she uses the gem to tell him to meet them there and he gets there late and she's like, where were you? And he's like, time is a construct I do not believe in. Also, I got lost. <laughs> just, just fess up, asshole. It's just those little, it's just those little moments of utter honesty, but also complete irreverence because you're just like, you're not expecting that to come out of that character who just keeps trying to speak in these grandiose ways. And then he's just like, also, I just got lost. I don't know where the fuck I'm at. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> I love that first montage of them just doing stuff and they casually just gloss over PG completely just blowing up a child. He straight up exploded a child and it never comes up again. They just move on. <laughs> and he could only do that if Mimi told him to. <laughs> Think about that for a second. 
twisted. Um, that nightmare scene where PG comes to Luke in the graveyard felt like a total reference to Phantasm. Am I wrong? Oh no, that's definitely total Phantasm vibes. Like, Even calls him. Boy. I, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't heard him say. I haven't heard Stephen Fancy say that. But it, if he's not throwing a nod to fucking Phantasm, like I would be shocked. Because it's it's like it, it's it's just so much, and again, it's not it's heavy handed, but it's like heavy handed in the best way because he just like slaps it out there and wants you to see it. He's not saying like, "Oh, see, I watched Phantasm." He's just like, "I really love this. I really love that shot, and I want it, and I'm gonna use it, and I'm gonna have fun with it, and you're gonna have fun with it." Yeah. I mean, he, Luke wakes up in a bed, in the graveyard, bodies come out, the bad guy's standing behind him. He, he says, boy, in a dark voice. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> and I he, love yeah. the, okay, but I love the, uh, the, the running gag the entire time that he does not remember his name. The entire time, he, does, he never calls him Luke. It's always just, boy. boy. <laughs> Even at the end when he's like, farewell, Mimi. Greg, Susan, boy. <laughs> He's just looking around at him like, I got nothing. <laughs> you should know my name by now. I love in that nightmare scene where PG's just like, come on, man. She's breaking both our balls. We need to do this together. <laughs> Luke's like, I can't, man. You don't understand. It, ugh, so great. The evil tyrant bargaining with it like a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, later on, when they're just walking through town, I love that they gave PG just like a giant blue shirt, a fedora, an ascot, and sunglasses. Or as I call it, the Alan Grants, because that's Sam Neill's costume in Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. And if you if you notice, um, there isn't any like piece of technology that really kind of identifies what year this movie takes place but that was something that um steven kostansky actually said he was like for me i I didn't want to like tie it down any decade but if i if i had to like that's exactly where this movie was happening was like in the early 90s because of a lot of the references that you're getting in there are from that the whole power rangers vibe is straight up from the 90s the fact that and he had fucking psycho Gorman Alan Grant. And he feels, and he looks comfortable in that too. Like, you know, he looked, he was just like, yeah, I look pretty good. <laughs> Makes sense. I mean, you know, the little TV is like, feels like a 90s TV. Makes sense. I didn't really put that together, but yeah, totally. Um, I love the whole warrior's death running gag. That... To, a warrior's death is to be eaten by your enemy and everyone's just like oh please god no and i love at the end when the kids are like all right you don't want to see this <laughs> just hush your mom and dad out of the room that was the only moment where both of those kids and and especially mimi were just like what the fuck was that yeah they had no idea how to respond to it and they, and i think for a second she was like oh shit he really is fucking scary Shit got real for a second when the dude turned into a giant mouth and devoured this motherfucker. Like, 
what the hell? I had to like pause and go get like a drink or something to just process that shit because I didn't see that coming. And I had to kind of just come to grips with that. But even that, even that was the result of um, him basically like bending to Mimi's will because he had pissed her off and she was like, oh no, I'm going to let them be trash. How about this? <laughs> You're going to have to apologize to me. And then he said, he was sorry, I don't believe you. You're going to have to mean it. <laughs> A warrior does not apologize. Well, then stay there and rot, asshole. Like, wait, I'm very sorry. I did not mean to hurt you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Little one. <laughs> and then he fucks them up. It's Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> straight up. And they, and they knew they were fucked. They knew they were fucked. <laughs> Shit was so good. So fucking good. That was the moment where I was like, like it hit the, uh, the Power Ranger button for me. <laughs> that whole fucking sequence. Like, I was just straight up. I was like, oh, this is a fucking Power Rangers movie. Like, let's go. Let's fucking go. Awesome. Fine. Um, my favorite moment in the film, by far, is when Greg is in the bathroom, just taking some personal time, and PG's face just pops into view. Blah! Greg, get in your truck and come save me. <laughs> he gives him directions, and he's like, I don't know where that is. He comes back, blah, take a left at this certain intersection. And like, just is giving him really specific direction and has to do it like three times because this guy's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I could not stop laughing. That was so funny. It was, it, it had, it had way more, it was way more funny than it fucking probably like should have been. Yeah. And, and all because Adam Brooks, like just, he sells everything like he's so in the moment and he's he's so embracing the the shittiness of this fucking guy greg and <laughs> just showing com how completely and totally inept he is incapable of handling any situation even taking a dump like he can't even handle that right you know what i'm just now realizing all four of the family characters are very similar to the four family characters in Rick and Morty. Like Greg is Jerry, who's just kind of incompetent and pointless. Beth is Susan, who's like ambitious, but stuck to this idiot. You've got crazy sister, Mimi and Summer, and then this like no balls little kid who's just kind of doesn't know what to do with Luke and Morty. Yeah, that's I've never actually noticed that. And then PG, this crazy disruptive alien force that all fear is fucking Rick. <laughs> there you go. I would, I would, I didn't even think about that. I don't, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but it's just something I know. No, that's, that's not, I mean, I mean, that's a, that, that's a pretty good uh, comparison. Have you been keeping up with the new season? I, yes, I have. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> The whole the sperm episode, I nearly checked out. Like, what in the hell was that? I mean, I mean, it was bad enough that we had an episode like early on in the series where he was humping a fucking sex robot, but this one, he was literally getting milked. Oh my god! <laughs> he called him. He called him Slippy. Oh my god, it infected the big egg, went into space. Oh my god. 
I love how just he lies the whole time. My favorite part was when Rick called himself Handjob Solo. <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> oh, shit. I love that show so much. That's oh, the best. It's the best. <laughs> oh, mm, back on track. <laughs> I, uh, I love that the fate of the universe hinged on fucking Crazy Ball. I should have seen that coming. I love that, like, Pandora's like, can you explain the switcheroo? And Mimi's like, you should have been paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> just, she gives no fucks, She man. doesn't care. She's the most dangerous person in the universe as far as she's concerned. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Pandora has no idea what she's fucking with, man. She thought she was going after the, the, the fucking most evil being in, in, in existence. And nah, nah. So fun fun fact, the uh, the whole uh, song and dance in the garage mm-hmm. that was the genesis for this idea because Kostansky had always had this image in his head of a monster on a drum set and he was trying to figure out like how he could use it, how he could get it in there, and here we are, like. That is one of the most brilliant things when somebody is talking about how they come up with an idea. Because sometimes it is just literally like an image in your head. Yeah. And, and, and then you're just like, okay, well, how do I, how do I use this? What, what's going to go around it? Um, when I was writing a bunch of short stories, I had this image in my head of a, uh, a zombie getting their brain caved in with a flashlight and the light coming out of their eyes and mouth and like a fucking jack-o'-lantern and i was like how do i how do i fucking how do i do that how do i do that what is this going to be about and then it just i i wrote a bunch of weird shit just some of it was like literally like true stories of nights that i worked at a bowling alley and uh, others were just things that I wanted to I wanted to see in in like a, a, a zombie story. So yeah, like hearing little candid moments like that, like how you get this entire awesome movie that's full of all this other cool shit. And just like yeah, I just had a picture of a monster on a drum set. And I just wanted to get it in there somehow. It's like that's awesome. My favorite part of that scene is when they start and PG like isn't doing it quite well. And Mimi just looks back at him like, pick up the slack, asshole, come on. <laughs> He's like, just gets into it. Like, I love this. This whole situation is insane. <laughs> and of yeah, course, and I fucking singer. Why wouldn't she be? Of course. Yeah, duh. Yeah. And like, I, 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 I found myself humming that song times <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> so, um, I watched a lot of trailer park boys. Oh yeah. No surprise there. And, and, and they always say frig off. And that became like a way to curse around my kids and not have them like straight up repeating, you know, F bombs and all this and that. <laughs> Just like my, my kids would be like jumping on me or something. I'm like, frig off, get away, you know? And so the, the Canadians, let's just, let's just give them some credit. They, they are known for being polite. 
but what we are finding out is that they are really savage creatures who cannot be trusted, especially when it comes to treating the most evil being in the universe like a fucking uh, a rabid pet that they've got under their control. I love that even though he's a brain, he's like a, you know, a big brain, Alistair is still hanging out with them. He's their keyboardist. <laughs> he's just like, he's got nothing else to do, nowhere else to go. So hang around with Mimi and the, and the alien man. Why not? <laughs> There's a point where he's the big brain and you hear him talk and he sounds exactly like one of the weird kids on F is for Family. You ever watch that show? Uh, I watched a few of like the early episodes and there's I just never picked it back up. There's one kid who's like the main kid's like best friend who kind of talks like this like super high voice and a little weird like this. And I thought it was the same kid. I had to look it up like it wasn't, but there was a moment where I thought, I thought it was. That's great. Uh, I love that during the, the game, Pandora's just like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? And it just like takes on PG. I love that the switcheroo happens and PG's like, oh, the switcheroo. <laughs> like, it's, it has happened. <laughs> he's taking this so seriously. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, by now, he's totally invested into this, you know? Like, he's come this far, you know? Might as well just play play this game through. How the hell did he make a sword out of Pandora's fucking organs and she didn't really flinch? <laughs> she just keeps fighting him. Like, how the fuck? crazy <laughs> why not yeah why not <laughs> I love when he names himself and she's like that's a beautiful name like even she's like that's awesome <laughs> and then he just takes he just starts fucking up the city he doesn't hurt them but he's gonna conquer this world and they're all just like it's either Greg or Susan who says like like what just happened <laughs> or something like that they're both, they have this moment of clarity but they're just like did we just let a super evil loose on this planet what just happened <laughs> oh my god it's it's great and then one final little moment that I thought was funny as hell the council that's been watching this whole thing when Pandora eats it that one dude cortex is just like i got a backup plan and pulls out a fucking 38 <laughs> not some laser gun not some alien pill a fucking 38 special of course so who's gonna shoot themselves first <laughs> jesus christ this is this is a great movie oh my god just Every like from start to finish, and like he even he even uh even said like that was like his nod to like the the prequel Star Wars movies. He's like, why not just have fucking intergalactic politics in there too? Just just throw that in there for whatever reason. Why not? Why not? Oh my god! Yeah, it's awesome. It's a great. But they ending. all know. But they all know they're fucked. You know, like that's the thing about it. They're just like, yeah, we're fucked anyway. I mean. Just, just go ahead and eat a bullet now and just get it over with. A 38, though, it's perfect. Like, it, I don't know why that works so well, but it does. 
because because it's not supposed to like that's the thing it's just like it's it's, it's just another irreverent moment where you're just like well yeah fucking of course but i mean like even if it had been like a 45 i don't think it would have been as funny the 38 specifically is like you know i don't know it's like a drug dealer's gun or something and it just feels weird that like this intergalactic leader would just have one but it makes sense oddly it makes sense because this guy's kind of skeevy oh totally totally oh man uh (laughs) here are some filmgasm facts there's not a lot of trivia on this film so i only have two uh number one psycho gorman is from the planet gygax which is most likely a reference to dungeons and dragons creator gary gygax uh definitely (laughs) yeah 100 percent uh, number two, the full PG makeup took many hours to apply, often requiring Matthew Nineveh to be the first person to arrive for shooting and the last to leave. He spent so much time in costume that the crew failed to recognize him without it and would even call security on him from time to time. <laughs> They're like, who is this guy? Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's the plight uh, of the monster man. Oh, yeah. But Doug Jones deals with that shit all the time. Uh I give Psycho Gorman an eight. It's hilarious, creative, wildly entertaining with a couple more views. It'll probably go up. Oh man, this this is this is absolutely a solid ten out of ten for me. Just because I I I went in completely blank and was totally blown away by everything I saw. And it it tickled me on multiple levels. Like just pure enjoyment. This movie is outstanding from a film nerd perspective it's 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 wonderful to see and know like that he's using every trick he can to pull this movie off and make it feel bigger than it than it has any right to be and i think the fact that it 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 carved such a niche for itself within like genre fans hearts really is a testament to just how outstanding this movie is like it as as we said at the beginning of this on paper this movie should not make any sense and should not be as fun as it is but it is every bit of that and more (laughs) well said yeah this is lightning in a bottle if i've ever seen it before (laughs) oh yeah total this is a total party movie like I, uh, I even made that remark at the towards the end of my review is that it I, I, I've got to start like making a list. I think what I'll do, I do have a letterboxd account. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to make like a party movie list. And I'm like any movie I've dubbed that I'm going to put it in there because it's it's high time I started tracking these things because I'm 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 losing count. I feel like every movie I watch, it's like, oh, you got to have friends and you got to do it. And maybe that maybe that is true. But I also feel like movies should be enjoyed with with multiple people, and even though I'll I'll go to a, I'll I'll go to the movies by myself. I've done it before. I mean, the last time I went, uh, the last movie I went to by myself was uh, Invisible Man, and even in that environment, it was still good because you could still feel other people's reactions to it, and those are the things that really make movies that much more enjoyable. Because you can sit there and watch it by yourself and have fun, but then you're looking around like, why is there nobody here to see this greatness right now? Why do I not have anybody next to me to, to laugh and enjoy this with? So, yeah, 
it's definitely time I start uh, making a party movie list. Hell yeah, good idea. I know there's a lot of films on this show. I think pretty much nearly everything you've picked, I think you've, you've classified as a party movie. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show. Next week, we're keeping it weird with a Netflix original from 2018. A troubled musical prodigy reconnects with her former mentor, causing a chain of events that lead to a shockingly dark place. Having not yet watched the movie, I couldn't tell you what that place is, but find out next week as Caleb and I dig into the perfection. Uh, Caleb adored this one when he saw it last year, and it ended up being a random draw from the Book of Filmgasm, our ever-growing list of potential episodes. So let's give it a shot. Also, don't miss a Best Picture showdown on Unforgiven on Oscar Sunday and a twofer of the G.I. Joe prequel Snake Eyes and M. Night Shyamalan's new thriller Old on Monday's sneak preview. Until then, always remember, humans are the real monsters. And all of you, please go frig yourselves and keep watching movies. Thank <laughs> you.